All right, come on up, everybody. Good job. Hey, Gideon, morning. Good morning. All right, we've got to teach you guys something. Typically, when somebody says good morning to them, what do you say back? You sure? All right, let's try. Ready? Good morning. Good morning. Great. We have a bunch of room over here if anybody wants a good seat still available. There we go. All right. Anybody know how many body parts you have? Lots. Anybody more accurate than lots? Tons? 100 and something? 200? No, way more. Millions? Billions? Uh, cells, maybe. Thousands? Actually, you're right. Siri. We have about 7,500 named parts of our body. So, what are some of your parts? What is this? Fingers or hand, nose, right? What is this? Kneecap, patella, you think? Something like that. Now, each part has a specific function, right? What do your hands do? Grab stuff, right? Sometimes they grab your sister. You shouldn't do that. And they touch, that's right. How about your nose? What does it do? Here, what does this smell like? Stinky, right? Stink. What do your feet do? They walk, right? So each part has a specific uh, function. If you don't drop anything for a week, you can be part of my body. Or did you line up, let's say, 20 pairs of feet and say, I want to see you race, and whichever pair is the fastest, you can be part of my body. Did you do that? Did you go to the store and look at a whole bunch of different eyes and buy the bluest set of eyes and stick them in your head? You didn't do that? No? How did you get all your parts? God made them, right? You were just born with all those parts. God fashioned them. All right. So that's kind of like us. Look at out everybody out there. How many people do you think are out there? Zillions. That's right. 206? 256. That's probably close. Each one of them are, are kind of part of this body, aren't we? The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. We're each part of it, and all of them weren't selected to be part of the body because they were so beautiful, or because they were so rich, or because they were so tall, or because they could do amazing things. God chose them to be a part of this body just because he loved them. He sent his son Jesus to die, made you all part of this body simply because he loves us. Now, uh, these, each of these people and you each have a specific function. What is my function in the church? What is my part in the church? Does anybody know? Pastor. To be pastor, what do I do? Read I read the Bible and I teach and preach, right? Yeah. Um, how about Miss Lisa? Anybody know Miss Lisa? What is Miss Lisa's part in the body? Play the piano. How about Mr. Roy? Does everybody know Mr. Roy Kelling right there? He's famous. <laughs> do you, get, you guys know what Mr. Roy's part of the church is? He fixes stuff, and he makes stuff, and he builds stuff. He's incredibly gifted at that. Uh, pretty close. We're building a new church one day, and he'll build all of that church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So the point is, though, even though none of us were selected because we're so beautiful, we all have talents and gifts that we're supposed to do. Now, have your parents ever said anything like this? Listen to this. Listen. If your parents said tonight, if you go to bed really well 
and go right to sleep, you can stay up a half hour later tomorrow night. Would you do that? Yeah. Yeah? Or if they said this, what if they said, hey, if you treat your sister or your brother very well in the next week, I'll take you to the store and you can buy a treat. Would you treat your brother or sister really well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Or what if they said, if you do the dishes tonight, I'll give you a million dollars. Would you do it then? Yeah. All right. They'd be lying to you because they don't have a million dollars. All right. So we, we see these if statements. If you do this, then you'll get that. If you do this, then you'll get that. Now, I want you to listen very important. This is very important. The Bible never says, if you do this, then you can be a part of Christ. You don't have to do anything to be a part of Jesus. You just have to believe. But as a part of the family, the Bible does say, if you serve faithfully in your part, if you work hard in your part, if you do the job that God has given you in your part, then God will reward you. Did you know that? The Bible is full of blessings and rewards, both now and in heaven, for our faithful service. Pastor Jeff is going to come and talk about deacons. And one of the things we'll see about deacons is if the deacons do their part, then God will have a reward for them. So think about that. What's your part in the church body? What can you do right now? Yeah, you can listen to your parents. You can love your brothers and sisters. Maybe you can give something to somebody. Maybe you can help somebody. And if you do that ball, God rewards. So I want you to listen very carefully if Pastor Jeff comes up. You're part of this body. We need other parts, and we need to serve faithfully. All right, thanks for coming up. You guys go and listen really well. All right. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Jeremy forgot to mention that if your parents do have a million dollars, we want to talk to them about the building project that we have coming up. So send them our way. All right. We are talking about uh, deacons, last message in the deacon series. So next week, again, is our uh, meeting to discuss and vote on the changes to bylaws in regards to deacons and implementing them in our church. Uh, if you have questions about that this week, feel free to grab one of the elders and ask those questions as we lead up to that meeting. Uh, we have been doing a series on deacons. Uh, so two weeks ago, Pastor Jeremy laid for us a scriptural foundation for uh, deacons in the church, that office. Last week, we looked at biblical qualifications for those who would serve as deacons and those who would fulfill those positions. And lastly, today, we're going to look at deacon rewards. We're going to see, look at what do we anticipate uh, the rewards, the benefits, the blessings being if we move forward uh, with implementing deacons here at Pine Grove. And so we're going to be moving about the scripture a little bit today, so try to stick with me as, as we do that. So let's pray before we open up God's word. Father God, uh, all glory be to you. You are worthy. You are worthy of all that we can offer to you, all that we are. And so we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you even once again this morning. We ask that as we open up your word, that you would again give us insight and understanding, that your spirit would speak to us and bring application into our lives, each one of us. And so uh, may this be to your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we'll start in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So if you would turn there with me in your Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 3. So uh, this is where we were last week. Uh, we see qualifications for elders in the beginning, and then verses uh, 8 through 12, we see the, the qualifications for deacons, which we looked at last week. 
And so now we're just going to start with one, one verse here, verse 13. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 says this. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So deacons gain a good standing. The standing refers to a, a position or a, a step. And it's, uh, it's good, it's honorable, it's praiseworthy. And so they gain an honorable position, a praiseworthy reputation. All right? So in, for deacons who serve well, there's a, a, a degree of honor that is earned. And it comes from, the, this degree of honor, this good standing comes from those who are being served. Right? It, it's a good standing among those who are the beneficiaries of this selfless service that is provided by these deacons. And so there's a good standing uh, as the church sees and appreciates this humble, Christ-like service that is being offered, this love and care that's being given to those in need within the congregation. And along with that comes an increased level of influence within the church for Christ's sake. All right, so there's this good standing. Now, saying that deacons can earn or gain a good standing, we need to be a little careful here. We need to take note of what this is not saying, what it's not speaking of. So first, this is not a good standing as in an advance in a rank within the church. All right? This isn't a climb up of some church hierarchy of some sort. It's not a stepping stone to an elder position. It's nothing of that sort. It's not what it's saying. Second of all, it's also not a step in gaining more value or worth or acceptance before God. All right? It's not a matter of acceptance and worth. It's not a good work that you can earn a more righteous standing, a level of higher righteousness before God. It doesn't give you a greater level of eternal security. It doesn't provide a better chance for God to accept you into heaven. It's none of those things. Jesus has provided all of those things for you already. Through his death and burial and resurrection, ascension into heaven, he's provided all those things. Jesus is your salvation. He is your righteousness. He is your eternal security, right? We sang about those things uh, earlier. We sang about those truths, Jesus being our, our secure. No one can send us away out of heaven if Jesus is standing there in our place, right? Jesus is... Uh, our, our high priest. He's our righteousness. He's our, our mediator before the Father. And so we are secure. We are worthy. We are valuable because of Christ. He is, Jesus is our only way to the Father. So that's not what these verses, this verse is talking about. You're acceptable to God in Christ alone and nothing else. Not because of any good work that we could do. So what this is saying is that this is a good standing in the midst of God's people, in the midst of the church who see a deacon's good work, their good service, their love, and their care for others as they see their godly character. So we also have to be aware of a temptation that, that could come with this as well, right? There's, there could be a temptation here, right? Temptation to selfishness and pride. We're prone to that, right, in our, in our flesh, Right? Well, I want to be praised and honored. I want a good standing in that way. And so I, I should try to become a deacon so that others can look up to me and, and things. Right? I want to gain a good status. I want others to see how wonderful 
I really am. This can be such a danger to us, this temptation to sin. It stems from that pride and that selfishness that's rooted deep within us that could surface. And so we have to be aware of that. If that might be you, you have to be careful of that. Don't pursue a deacon position in this way. Uh, If you do, it'll cause great harm to you as well as to, to the church. And so we have to be careful. We need a real heart check in these things. Anytime we have ourselves that could be in front of other people, there's temptation there. Right? Temptation with that pride and that selfishness. And so we have to be careful of that. We have to ask ourselves, what is, what is my true deep down motive? Deep inside of me. Not surface level, but deep within. What is my true motive? Is my motive really for God's glory? Or is it for my own glory? Is it for my own recognition? The Bible talks about how if we pursue things here on this earth, that that is the end of our reward. Right? But when we do things for God's glory and his kingdom, then there are blessings here on this earth as well as eternal. We have blessing that comes. So the first deacon reward here that we see is a, a good standing among God's people, a good standing among the, the people of God within the, in the church. The second thing we see here is a great confidence. Right? A great confidence, a boldness, assurance. There's a great amount here, right? not just a little bit. You don't just gain a little confidence. You gain a great amount of confidence, boldness that comes with serving as a deacon. And so deacons who serve well, they become more grounded. They become more secure, more steady in faith as they see God at work, right? This person, this man, will be assured of his identity in Christ. He knows who God is. He knows where he stands with God. He has a secure identity in Christ. He's growing in faith. He has a spiritual vitality to him. He understands the significance and the, the great blessing of, of serving the Lord Jesus Christ and serving and loving and caring for those within his church. And so there's a great confidence in the faith that comes through this. Now notice with that where this faith is found, right? This great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Right? This is where the faith comes. It's not a faith in himself. It's not saying, oh, look at how well I've served. Gosh, I, I'm pretty good. Right? That's not what he's saying. It's not a faith in his own skill and ability. Not a faith in his own intelligence or his own resourcefulness. Right? This is a Christ-centered faith. This is the confidence that is earned here, that is gained. It's a Christ-centered faith, a faith in the Son of God, a faith in the Savior, the Lord. Faith in the one who humbled himself and served us by dying and rising again. It's a faith in the all-powerful, the all-knowing one. Faith in the one who is Lord over everything. This is a great assurance of faith in Christ Jesus. So these are rewards that come. Great confidence, right? There's great confidence and, and that faith, that, uh, the great confidence in the faith also increases ministry all the more, right? As one is serving that position of deacon, they're gaining this great confidence and faith that allows them to serve and to give and to love and all the more, right? Faith is something that keeps us pure and holy. It motivates us to greater love and service and care for others, A great faith helps us to fight the spiritual battles 
of life as they come, those flaming darts of the evil one that come. The shield of faith helps us to extinguish those. An increased confidence in faith allows a deacon to expand his uh, area of service. If he can reach out to, to new things, it allows him to reach more people, allows him to take new opportunities. Great confidence of faith in Christ Jesus also allows one to continue doing ministry during the hard times. During the hard times. Because see, at times, for deacons, it's not going to be easy. This isn't an easy task that people are, these men are being called to. At times, it can be great joy and great blessing as you see God work and move in people's lives. But at other times, it's going to be very trying. Right? There's going to be difficult circumstances, hard things to face. Deacons will feel the weight of responsibility, the weight of caring for others. They'll experience difficulty along the way. They're going to see hurt and pain in people's lives. Deacons are going to be sharing in the sorrow of others. They're going to mourn with those who mourn. At times they're going to feel like they're being put through the fire. There'll be questions of, God, is, is this really what I should be doing? I'm not sure I'm up for this. Right? But God is faithful through these tough times as well. God will be at work. He will carry out his will in the midst of these difficult circumstances. And there'll be spiritual growth taking place in people's lives, the life of the deacon as well as those he is serving. And so this confidence of faith allows one to, to trust God when he might be questioning the fruitfulness of this ministry. Is there really fruitfulness growing in what I'm doing? Sometimes we don't see that. Faith helps us to, to be confident in that. Faith helps us to see the growth taking place in our own lives, right? This is all part of the reward that's listed here in this great confidence, this reward of gaining great confidence in the faith as in Christ Jesus. Think of it this way. A deacon's faith allows him to serve faithfully, which then increases his faith so that he can serve all the more faithfully. Right? Isn't that great? God works and moves in this way, increases our faith. As we trust him, as we step out in faith, we see him work and move, and it gives us great confidence to continue going and to take bigger steps of faith and to trust him more and more. That's what's happening here for these deacons who are serving. So for individual deacons, there's a good standing in the church, and there's a great confidence in the faith. But notice what this verse says. It says, for those who serve well. See, this isn't for everyone. This is for those deacons who serve well. It's not going to hold true for those who serve poorly or those who serve half-heartedly. Right? This is for those who serve well, who give themselves to this role. These rewards are for deacons who serve well. They know what they are doing. There's no, they know there's value and significance in God's kingdom for what they are doing. They know it holds worth and value in the church to God's people. They know it's not just a small, meaningless task. Sometimes it might appear that way. That they're just doing some routine act of service for somebody. It might appear that way, but they know that it has great value. right? So they give themselves to it. They work hard at it. They serve well. And then they receive these wonderful blessings. 
What a privilege it is to serve others, to love and care for brothers and sisters in Christ. A tremendous blessing. So deacons who serve well will receive these rewards, a good standing, great confidence in the faith. Next thing we want to look at is rewards for the church on a church-wide scale. So turn with me back to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, this is where Pastor Jeremy uh, laid a foundation for us of the establishment of deacons. Early church, the apostles were not able to fulfill all the physical care that was there, so they appointed men to fulfill this physical care for these widows who were being overlooked to allow the the apostles to do ministry of of the word and prayer. And then we come to verse 7. So they've now put these, uh, um, verse 6, they set uh, before the apostles, uh, these people, these seven, and they prayed, laid their hands on them. So now these initial deacons, so to speak, are in place, they're serving, they're caring for physical needs. And here's what we see in verse 7, and immediately after that. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and many of the priests became obedient to the faith. All right, so again, this is right after these first servants are put in place here. This should convince us of the, the importance that deacons will be in our church, All right? It should dispel any thought of deacon work being insignificant or unvaluable or unimportant, right? This is great value here. God blesses when we are obedient to him. So first thing we see here is that the word increased, right? This word increased means to grow or to become greater, Right? This is referring to the spread of the gospel here. Once these men were in place, the, the gospel continued to spread and to grow. As the early church improved their care for individual people, the gospel spread more and more and more in a great way. And so this message of the Son of God, this Messiah who had come and died on a cross as a sacrifice for sin, was raised to life again, ascended into heaven, this message continued to spread more and more in greater and greater ways. There were more people sharing this great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was power behind their message. God was pouring out his blessing as this message was being shared. And so the word of God increased, and secondly, we see that the disciples multiplied. Disciples multiplied. So as the gospel spread, people responded They placed their faith in Jesus' death and resurrection for their salvation. And there are many disciples, right? That's somebody who is committed, a committed follower of Jesus Christ. These are not people just eh, showing up once in a while, not just looking on, looking in from a, a distance, not people just kind of going through some spiritual motions, some spiritual rituals or routines. These are people who are absolutely committed to following Jesus Christ. And so we see that the number of the disciples multiplied greatly, greatly, more and more. This was no small impact. There were a great number of people responding to the gospel, a great number of people committing themselves to Jesus Christ and growing in him. And so we see here as these people are well cared for, the gospel bears fruit, right? And so let's not take that just as a coincidence here, right? As... as People are faithful to what God has asked. God pours out his blessing in these 
Disciples are multiplied here. The third thing we see here is that priests obey, right? A great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So think about the the city of Jerusalem at that time, temple worship, right? The temple was set up, many priests serving at, at the temple throughout the year. And think about what some of those priests might have experienced during this time, right? Some of them would have been in the temple and heard this man named Jesus of Nazareth teaching over there. They heard what he's teaching, these mysterious things, these profound things that they couldn't refute, right? Some of these priests probably experienced when he came in and started turning over the tables in the temple of the money exchange, people taking advantage and a selfish gain, trying to gain finances in the temple. They would have seen him do this. They would have seen him drive people and animals out of the temple area. Right? Some of these priests may have been serving at the temple when Jesus died on a cross and that curtain dividing God and man was just torn in two from top to the bottom. They might have seen that and experienced that, right? I don't know if those men specifically are the ones referenced here, but I'm sure they at least heard about these things going on. And so we see that priests become obedient to the faith. You know, some of them were probably even present at when Jesus was put on trial before them, right? And all these false accusations were being made. Some of these priests might have been involved in condemning him to death, handing him over to the Romans to die. And now they're hearing this this good news of Jesus coming. Maybe they're recognizing him now as this Messiah. He is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. He is the one who has fulfilled all these things, right? As they were in the temple making sacrifices after sacrifice, maybe they recognized that Jesus now was the fulfillment of all of that all of that temple worship and all of those sacrifices. So for some of them now, this gospel makes sense. And a great many of the priests become obedient to the faith. They come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we anticipate similar things taking place here at Pine Grove if we move forward with deacons. We anticipate an an increase in the word of God, a spread of the gospel. As we see people being served better, we anticipate that the number of disciples will be multiplied, that those who are truly, have come to faith in Christ, are committed to him, that that number of people will multiply. We anticipate some some of the hard-to-reach people in our community will come to faith in Christ. So understand, we're not looking to implement deacons just for the sake of increased numbers. Numbers isn't our our goal here. We aren't doing this for our own boasting or our own glory. That's not why we're doing these things, but we're doing this for God's glory. We want to see these things happen in our community. The the spread of the gospel, the increase of disciples, some of those hard-to-reach people coming to faith in Christ. We want God to be glorified, that there be many more who worship God there will be many more who follow Jesus, that there will be many more who serve the church, that there will be many more who would go forward and spread the gospel around our community and around the world. We want to see more disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to see our community transformed by the gospel. We want to see more men rising up who would go out and pastor other churches. We want to see 
more missionaries being raised up within our church that we can send out all over the world sharing the gospel and making disciples. We believe that God works through the local church and that he desires to do this here in this place. Wouldn't it be great to see God glorified in those ways? Wouldn't that be such a joy and such a blessing to be part of that? What if our implementation of deacons helped advance those things, help those things to take place among us. What a glory that would be. Now understand here that if if we do move forward with implementing deacons, there's still a lot of hard work ahead, right? This isn't a a magical formula for success. This isn't a, uh, we implement deacons, all of a sudden mystery is simple and easy. It's not that. This isn't the final step. This is a, a step in one direction. Right? A step of growth in a direction as a church. So it's not a simple, easy, magical thing. But at the same time, we believe that God works and moves and blesses and that he wants to do that here through Pine Grove Community Church in the city of Rhinelander, similar to how he did it in Jerusalem back in this day. So let's not underestimate the powerful ministry that deacons can bring to the local church in the name of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful ministry. We believe God is going to bless not only those individual men, but also the church. What a blessing that would be. It should be a great encouragement for all of us. So here's the next thing, though. We need everyone involved, right? Turn over to Romans chapter 12 with me, please. Romans chapter 12. As we talk about the possibility of implementing deacons and the rewards that would be in in the lives of those men as well as for our church. We also have to be aware that God wants all of us involved in serving one another. Look at Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, through many, excuse me, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so a few observations here. First, we see that we are many members, right? We are many individuals. This goes to what Pastor Jeremy was talking about with the the kids. Many members, and yet we see here that we have different functions. We won't all have the same position. We won't all have the same responsibilities. That wouldn't work very well just like in the body, right? And so we have different functions within the body, and yet we see here that we are one body. We are united as one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so within that one body, we are members of one another. We belong to each other. You belong to me, and I belong to you. We belong to each other. And yet we see again here that we have different skills. We have different abilities, different gifting different interests, right? And then we are to use those gifts, right? Verse 6 says, having different gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us 
use them. So each of you should be serving the church in some capacity, right? According to your gifts and your skills and the interests that God has given you, this is for the building up of the body of Christ. They would be built up to maturity together. This is for the mutual edification one to another. This is for God's glory as the church represents Christ to a lost world around us. And so this using of your gifts, this service to the body takes place in different ways, right? Some will have an official position, elder, deacon, Bible study leader, those kind of things, right? Some will have an official position while others will not. Some will be visible positions, right? Up front on a Sunday morning. Others will be quietly caring for somebody, visiting them in their home, right? Unseen. Some will be Sunday school teachers while others will clean the bathrooms. Some will lead Bible studies while others visit the sick. There's different functions within the body. That's what that's referring to here in verse 4. But all of these functions, every part of the body has tremendous value. Right? They all come together in this one body. And so just because um, somebody else isn't doing what you're doing doesn't mean that what they're doing doesn't have value and hold worth in God's kingdom. Right? As you look at others and you say, well, I'm not doing what they're doing, doesn't mean that what you're doing doesn't hold value and worth. So as we, as we think about these things, I just want to briefly address this area of spiritual gifts. We're not going to get caught up on it this morning, right? So, but this is the thing we get questions on. What about spiritual gifts? Don't let that be something that get, you get caught up on personally. If you, you know, we hear people come and say, well, I don't know my spiritual gifts, so I, I can't serve, right? This is not what spiritual gifts are all about. It's not to prevent you from serving, Okay. Uh, should never prevent you from serving. Really, what we like to tell people is just start serving. Just find a place that might be of interest. Get involved and start serving. And as you do that, you're going to see God at work. You're going to see that, oh, God is using me in this way. So I'll continue. Or you might see that, you know what? This isn't a good fit. That's okay. That's okay if it's not a good fit. We just stop doing that and find a good fit, right? Try, try the next thing. But don't ever feel stuck in an area of service. But get involved. Start serving. Start loving and caring for others within the body and see how God works and moves through that. So we need everyone involved here. This is involvement for everyone. So as we talk about deacons, again, don't get the concept of, well, we implement deacons and then it's their job to love and serve and care and we just sit and watch them and hope they do a good job. Now, this is for everyone. Everyone needs to be involved. Deacons are a part of the body. They have a function within the body. But each of you also are part of the body of Christ. You should be serving. You have a function and a value and a worth. And as you do that, as you serve, you'll receive blessings too. Just like these deacons who serve well do, as you serve well within the church, you're going to experience similar blessings too. God growing you and maturing you in faith a greater confidence, a, a good standing among others that you're loving and caring for well. And there's blessings to our church in that. So we need everybody involved in that. So lastly, I, I want to kind of give a, a little bit of an assessment of our church, of Pine Grove. Where are we at as a church in these things? Okay, Obviously, we have the deacons that we're, we're working on. We, we are looking forward to the meeting next week and the vote to see where we're at with that. 
But beyond that, how are we doing with these things at Pine Grove Community Church? Right? First of all, we have a number of people who are serving. We have a number of people who are serving well. Right? We have Sunday school teachers and Awana leaders and youth ministry volunteers. We have ushers and finance team members and people cleaning the church. We have people who organize activities, people who make and send cards, and people serving a whole variety of areas within our church. And that's a really, really good thing. Some of you are serving well, and you're receiving some of these blessings. You're experiencing these things. In many cases, we have the right person in the right position. But in some cases, we have uh, somebody in the wrong position, not in the right fit. Maybe not serving in the right function that they should be serving in, right? We don't all have the same function. And so we need to look at that. We need to give some thought and consideration to that. If you are someone who is serving, but maybe it's just not feeling like a good fit, you might be in the wrong function. So come, let's talk about that. Let's see how we can move you into a good fit, into a right function. At the same time, we have some people who are not serving at all. We're not involved in the, the love and care and the investment of others within the body of Christ. And so if this is you, you need to find a place to get involved and, and serve. Right? This is part of our, our worshipful response to the one who has served us well. Right? Jesus Christ came to this earth. He served us well in ways that we could not ever do for ourselves. Our sin was too great. We have no hope, no chance without Jesus. But he came and he served us well in his death and resurrection, providing a way of salvation for us. So part of our worshipful response to who he is and what he has done is to serve him and to serve him by serving his church. So if you're not currently serving, come talk to myself, talk to one of the elders. Let's, let's see where it would be a good fit for you, where it's a first step in you getting involved in serving others. This is such a, a mystery, isn't it, that God... First of all, that he comes and he saves us, but then he desires to work in us and through us. He didn't just come and save us and then say, okay, now you're on your own, figure it out. He's indwelt us with his Holy Spirit. He wants to work in us to change us and mold us the morning of the image of Christ. And then he wants to work through us in the lives of other people. Isn't that amazing that God can take each one of us in all of our sinfulness and all of our junk, he forgives us for all that, and then says, I want to use you to reach other people. That's amazing to me. It blows me away. Next, I want to share with you an area that we need improvement as a church. All right, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, again, Paul's talking about the unity of, of the body, one body together in Christ. And then verse 11, here's what he says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here in these verses, we see that the saints, the people of God, are to be equipped for ministry, equipped to do ministry. The believers within the church need to be adequately equipped and trained in order to do ministry. 
So at Pine Grove, as a whole, across the board, we have not done this very well. We haven't done this as well as we, we could have. We haven't been actively involved in, in training and growing people up into areas of service. Sometimes at Pine Grove, we put people into positions that they shouldn't be in. We've put people into positions where maybe they, it's a good fit, but they aren't equipped yet to carry out that ministry. They're not ready for it. They need more training. They need somebody to come alongside, put their arm around them and say, let me show you how to do this well. And so we need to grow in this. This has been an area of weakness for it, for us. It doesn't mean we've been totally lacking. There's been some good things happening here. We've been working and improving that with some of the elder training, uh, things like that. But we need, to, we need to keep improving. We have room to grow here. And so one of the things in front of us is if we do approve the, the bylaws and implement deacons, uh, one of the things we're going to have to be really careful of is how we are training and equipping those men to serve. We have to be really intentional with that. It's really important for the success of that going forward. And so there's going to be consider, considerable um, thought and, and effort into that. But for you, if you are serving currently in a place where you need some equipping and some training, some help, some ideas, you just don't feel fully up to it, you feel like there's a little bit more that could happen, again, let's talk. Talk to myself, one of the other elders. Let's talk about that. It's not something to be embarrassed or, or afraid of. We want well-equipped saints in the right function within the body in order to serve well. Again, that's where we get God's blessing. For you and your, your life individually, for us as a church. So as we wrap up here, as far as deacons, okay, as far as deacons, there are great benefits for those individuals who serve well. There are also great benefits for the church as we have deacons who serve well. And again, these things hold true for each of you as a member within the body who functions well. So consider this this morning. Consider where would the Lord have you serve? Where would he have you serve? Consider who would he have you serve? Let's pray together. Father, again, we praise you. Thank you for your great salvation that you have given to us. Thank you that you do not leave us to ourselves, but you've given us your word, you've given us your Holy Spirit, you've given us brothers and sisters in Christ in order that we may grow and mature in faith. So I pray for each one of us that we consider where we're serving, where you would desire to have us serve, who you would desire to have us serve. And God, help us to invest in doing that well. God, we confess that we as a church have not equipped well in the past. And so, Lord, we repent of that. Help us to see how to grow and improve in those things so we can have people well-equipped and serving wholeheartedly. Lord, thank you that we are forgiven in Christ, that we are set free, that none of this is related to our eternal security, but we are safe and secure and sound in Jesus Christ alone. So we praise you for that. We pray that you would continue to work in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. So the charge this morning is this. Find your function. Find your area of service within the body of Christ. Get well equipped so you can serve well and then serve wholeheartedly. Now my God, grow each of you a love for himself and for his church. May he sanctify you through and through. May he receive much glory 
in your life and in all these things. Amen. God bless you.